Hi everyone, this is two-time World Poker Tour champion Jonathan Little, and I want to tell you about my training site, PokerCoaching.com. Poker Coaching is the place to be if you want to increase your poker skills and learn to crush the games. It's the only place to quickly increase your win rate with active learning, so you can achieve your full poker potential without having to hire an expensive coach. Right now, podcast listeners can score a free membership by visiting pokercoaching.com slash card player and get access to top training tools like our interactive hand quizzes, our 7, 14, and 30-day challenges, and a roster of elite coaches such as Matt Affleck, James Romero, Burt Draftganger-Stevens, Michael Acevedo, and dozens of others. Again, that's pokercoaching.com slash card player to get your free membership right now. By now, you've heard about Global Poker, one of the fastest growing online card rooms available in the US and Canada today. So what's stopping you from trying it out? Global Poker is a safe and secure social poker site that uses their own patented sweepstakes model. Signing up is easy. You can use Google, Facebook, or just an email address. You can always play for free on Global Poker, but you can also buy gold coins for additional play, which will earn sweeps coins that can be redeemed for real cash to a bank account, Skrill account, or even as a gift card. Get a free 5,000 gold coins when you sign up right now at GlobalPoker.com. Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales both on and off the felt. Hello and welcome to Poker Stories, a podcast brought to you by Card Player, the Poker Authority, and hosted by me, Julio Rodriguez. This is episode number 143, and it's a special one because it features World Poker Tour president and CEO Adam Pliska. Now, Adam first worked for the WPT as general counsel before switching over to the executive side of things. But before the tour, Adam was actually making his living in TV production. In fact, after graduating from USC Film School, he helped develop shows such as Baywatch, Win Ben Stein's Money, and even a reboot of Lassie. Adam decided to go back to school, however, and got his law degree from UC Berkeley. He was all set to take a job in Washington, D.C., working for the Senate Judiciary Committee on Intellectual Property Law, but that's when his friend Steve Lipscomb reached out to tell him about a new poker TV show he was putting together called The World Poker Tour. 20 years later, and Adam is still going strong at the helm. I was able to interview Adam about life and the tour last week at the WPT World Championship at Wynn Las Vegas. The tournament featured a massive guarantee of $15 million, which was nearly doubled when almost 3,000 players put up the $10,000 buy-in. Just a massive, massive success. Anyway, that's enough intro. Here is my conversation with Adam Pliska. I am here with the man of the hour, <laughs> uh, the head of the very successful World Poker Tour here in Las Vegas for the Win World Poker Tour World Championship. Adam Pliska, how you doing? I am doing great. I feel uh, much better this morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. $29 million. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's to look out of that, the sea of players out there was just so inspiring and it was you know as we're we're celebrating our 20th anniversary we could not have given a we could not have received a better uh, anniversary gift 2960 entrants officially 4.15 million to the winner in a few days from now uh you know when lance told me about this back this summer he said we're gonna have a season ending championship it's gonna be at the win and we're gonna guarantee 15 million dollars i literally said instantly i said Oh, that seems like a well, two to three million dollar overlay then for the WPT. <laughs> you know, I was like, I really thought it would be a struggle. Maybe with the right marketing, sure. you could get there. Sure. But to double it? Yeah. Did you ever foresee something yeah, like that happening? Yeah, I would like to say that I did because it makes me sound like a genius. But that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not the case. Uh, I, I, when, 
it's, you know, to me, the $15 million number was calculated by, you know, the success in uh, the past in Las Vegas uh, and the fact that we were going to put all guns blazing here. I mean, the, we were going to be working with Win. I mean, there has not been a day of meetings in the last seven months. And so I thought that that could um, help us get over uh, 15. I'd be happy it's, uh, if we got over 17. I, I mean, that was really <laughs> what I was, I was uh, targeting in the early days. Um, and then uh, you, you, we just kept plussing and plussing and plussing and plussing. Uh, the marketing was great. People were very responsive. And so by the time I got here, I thought, you know, honestly, I thought, my goodness, we may actually break 20, which was, um, I created, a, we did a commercial in there. Yeah. I was taping a commercial. I taped a commercial to say, thank you, players, for 20 years and $20 million. <laughs> and it became obsolete while I was doing the uh, Women in Poker uh, uh, Hall of Fame speech for, for Angelica. Um, so that got scratched. But, uh, yeah, that day before, I said, my God, uh, you, know, we, you know, we could get, let's, you know, a couple of days before, I was thinking 22.5 yeah. would make me a very happy man. Yeah. <laughs> so, right today, I'm feeling great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll talk about the season-ending championship and WPT in general, but in sure. this show, we have to go back to the beginning. Sure. So, you were raised in Southern California? That's right. I was uh, born in uh, Newport, the, the city that I live in now. And uh, raised in Orange, grew up, uh, grew up there. Nineteen seventy-two. Nineteen seventy-two. Yes, you're the Godfather. <laughs> okay. okay. And what were you uh, getting into back then? So, um, I, you know, I was very active. I, you know, I was a Boy Scout. I, I, I was. You know, computers were new. You yeah. know, I think my dad was one of the first people to buy a personal computer and mm-hmm. handed it to me. So I was doing those kind of things, um, but. I started a business very early. You know, by the time I was 16, I had my first business. Really? What were and, you doing? Uh, yeah, I printed uh, sportswear for the this sports This isn't team. a paper route, I'm guessing. No, no, no. <laughs> I did a paper route. I always say <laughs> if somebody paid me what I was – if somebody paid me what I was paid now or any amount of money, I would never be a paper route. Yeah. That was the hardest job the in my life. The worst job in the yeah. world. But, um, yeah, I did this uh, business. It turned out to be quite successful because I ended up with two – very big clients uh, over over time, and I was the sports announcer, so I did everything. I did football yeah. and baseball and volleyball and everything else, and that's kind of how I um, got into things and met a lot of fun people and stuff, but production was my life. I knew I wanted to be a producer at a very, uh, very early age. So you were business-minded, but you still went to USC for film school, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, ironically, while I was in high school, I met a famous producer. I was, I interned uh, at a, for an event that was at a local community college. And I was, uh, I didn't want to pay the $12 entry. So if you were an usher that day, yeah. they let you in. I was an usher. D. Wallace Stone from uh, E.T. had come in the wrong door, and they said, uh, could you bring her to the green room? And I did, and I see this group of people. It was all this producer who I admired and all these people in here, and I went, oh, God, i got to get into this. Security guard kicks me out. <laughs> I ask some Q&As during the, uh, during the session, and um, the producer afterwards said, hey, you know, you're – that was – you know, really good question that you asked. And as he was walking away, I said, I'm with the school newspaper, and is there any way I can get in to see you? And, you know, over a course of calling and calling in three months, I, I couldn't even drive on the freeway. My dad had to drive me up to Universal Studios. <laughs> I went in, I finally got in, and the guy said, uh, uh, okay, what can, I, what can I do for you? And I said, uh, well, if you can answer my questions. And he said, I want to stop you. I don't want to offend you. But if for some reason I'm wrong, just tell me. Um, but I have a feeling you're not with the newspaper. You just wanted to get in here. What can I? If that's the truth, let's start again. And I said, I just want to work. And it led to a seven-year amazing collaboration with that's an awesome. amazing man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're at USC. What are your ambitions? To make movies? Yeah. To make no, TV? no. I was the only guy at USC who was interested in making TV. I yeah. mean, I knew. I'd already, I was already working at, uh, at Universal Castle Rock by the time. The day I graduated, I got on a plane and I, I packed up my stuff. The next morning, I flew to Florida 
um, where I was producing a show. So, wow. Yeah, I was like, I was the most focused individual. And it was great because, you know, it was the time where only people were looking at film. And I just, I just thought TV was a great medium. And it's turned out great as social has just blossomed now. Let's talk about your time in TV because uh, you helped get Baywatch off the ground. Is that no, no, no? I worked on Baywatch. Okay, uh, that Baywatch was a step. Uh, we did do so. We were we created uh, Al Burton, who was my mentor. Uh, we were working on a spinoff called Malibu Beach High. Okay, and Malibu Beach High brought in the characters Pamela Anderson, David Charvet. Uh, uh, oh, I'm forgetting uh, from uh, Charles in Charge, who was the the show that. It was uh, when I came on. We Tony Danza on. Uh, <laughs> and Nicole Eggert. Okay, uh, yeah, Nicole Eggert, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, it. We taped the show. We taped the pilot. Pilot didn't get picked up, and those characters just got merged into Baywatch. So, yeah. you know, for a twenty-two-year-old guy, um, pretty <laughs> great. It was a pretty great uh, experience. Um, but then we did a number of shows. I, I. I Al was kind enough to list me as one of the people um, when the Emmys came around for the contributions to win Ben Stein's money. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. what was that like? Oh, yeah, ben I watched was that good. show religiously for an entire summer. I mean, I, they used to play repeats on Comedy Central, yeah. so I think I watched every single episode. Yeah, yeah, Ben is like, Brennan is brilliant. I mean, I think one peop- the thing that people didn't know is that one time, uh, it, it it was pitched by to a guy named Michael Davies. Al Burton and I were in his office at Disney, and we pitched this thing. But first, I was pitching an internet show. I came in and I said, "The internet is taking off." Remember, this is like <laughs> 1992 or three, and I'm like, "We're going to do this show, and it's going to be around the internet." And the guy's like, "I don't want to hear anything about this internet." Yeah. It's like it's. It, I'm. I'm. I remember he said. Right now, people are on the internet for an hour a day. And if we don't, you know, and like, we got to get some more TV shows. So that was the other one. And, um, you know, Bren was great. I think before that, it was David Lee Ross money or something like that. But (laughs) yeah, really. But Ben did a great job. I then went to law school. So they were kind enough to remember me when uh, Al was to list me as one of those contributors. So I have the, you know, I have the plaque. But I, um, they did a great job. I mean, you know, the, the, these guys, the writing or whatever it was, you, my contributors were so in the early days and putting together the pitch and those type of things. But my, um, I, what they did with the show was great. Yeah. What about this Lassie reboot? Yes. So Lassie was, uh, Lassie was how I got the job because Lassie, they were doing a tribute to Lassie and, you know, Al Burton was a producer. That's where Dee Wallace was on. Her husband was on at the time. Um, I, I think, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> showed up on that show. He was at 12 years old. I mean, it was yeah. like, it's crazy. The people would, would come into it. We had, um, had so much fun. I mean, we did a show in Florida um, that was uh, in Kissimmee in 1995, which there wasn't a lot around. Yeah. And, you know, we had these writers who wrote the show. It was a teenage television show, and they went on to do Mad About You and stuff. So, yeah, it was like, you know, you couldn't have a better <laughs> 20-some-year-old uh, uh, growing up maturity. So then why go back to law school? Yes. Well, that was a very uh, important, thoughtful reason of my girlfriend said, I'm leaving you. I'm going to <laughs> Berkeley. And like a, you know, courageous young man, I went, oh, if you go to Berkeley, I'll go to Berkeley. I mean, it really was that crazy because I think You my, followed a girl to law I school? know, I know. It's, I did, I did. But into a career. Yeah, well, what happened is, so she, it was long distance, right? Mm-hmm. So things were very expensive. She was in Sedona. She'd come out. She was staying there. So she was great, like helping out and accounting and stuff. But um, I, yeah, my parents were like in shock. Like, you're doing what? You know, most parents yeah. want you to go to law school, be a doctor, or whatever. But I had figured out how to make money in production. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, I'm, she said, I'm just going to Bert. Like, I want to go and I want to go. I, I need to get my, my life in order, which obviously she was the rational one. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm going to go to Berkeley. And I just said, yeah. I was like, oh, if you go, I'll go to Berkeley. And she's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'll study history or law. And I'm glad I went to the second because <laughs> law had to do I, – I, I rationalized it saying I know production. Maybe if I know more about how contracts are made or whatever it is, it might, it might help me in my production career, um, which has 
been true in many, many ways over the time, and it's helped me greatly. Being a, being, a, I am still an active lawyer, even though I have a legal team. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how long did that relationship last? Uh, till almost the end of the, the last week of being at Berkeley. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'd known each other for for <laughs> many years, but you know, you never know where inspiration comes, and uh, and you know, sometimes you just follow the path of life. Now. Were you supposed to take this job with the Senate Judiciary Committee right out of school, or did you no, have no, other no. law I jobs? Was, uh, let's see. I had been at, uh, yeah, I had worked at uh, a law firm, Sun and Shine Nathan Rosenthal, which is now Sun and Shine Denton. And um, I was recommended for the role of the IP council, leading IP council and Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, and I went to D.C., it was very cold because I grew up in Southern California. I'm walking around, and I am balancing the idea that it's quite cold. And I get there, and I get the job. I mean, I, I 100%, I get the job, and it's very – they're so busy. What's the job entail? It is uh, leading IP. So you're doing – you know, you're preparing the senators to for all the legislation related to IP. So it's yeah. a pretty, you know, substantial thing. Yeah. And – um I, I, Steve Lipscomb calls basically. Uh, Steve had produced Win Ben Stein's money and Ben turned Ben Stein on after. So I left and he came in and actually did you know production. I he said you know you want to come in for like three weeks and do some legal stuff. I had a little time, so yes. So three weeks, it's kind of pushing it. Still not going back to to DC at the time. And then Lyle Berman says, look, I want to bring this thing public, and I had to make a decision. Am I going to stay in this thing and am I going to be a general counsel for a, um, for a poker company, which that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. What is that back then? Yeah. That means nothing. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's crazy. Or am I going to go to the job that will absolutely guarantee me I'm going to be a judge. Right. And, um, I don't know, maybe the temperature difference and just the idea of was, it was entrepreneurial and we jumped in it, but I did it and that's it. You got to stay home too, which is yeah, the yeah, best yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I had known that you had risen through the ranks. I guess you could say at WPT, but I didn't realize you were there from day one. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, uh, technically, you know, Steve had been working on it before anyone knew about it. It was mm-hmm. two thousand two, I think, is when he did his original pitch and went around. Everyone said no, I said Lionel Berman, but uh, it, I came in in two thousand three. I'd been talking to Steve. Steve would call me and say, "Yeah, oh, we got this show," and we're put- I'm like, "Where's your distribution?" He hadn't had any distribution. Yeah. It sounded so. I used to make fun of him. Well, I'm like, "Oh, you're still working on that poker tour where you got the distribution?" There's no distribution. So yeah, I was there at the beginning. So I did all the con- you did the contracts with the casinos. Yeah, you did ten year agreements with the casinos. Well, legally yeah. speaking, that's the wild west kind of right. Oh, Putting yeah. gambling on television wasn't exactly a common thing back oh, then. Yeah. And every state's got completely different laws and gaming yeah. regulations. So yeah. It was crazy. And, and during like the time, remember, <laughs> the, the Department of Justice had seized the funds of the Discovery Channel. Um, so it was the creation of .NET. I was just talking to Esai because all of the online sites were, were uh, sponsoring us this time. And Department of Justice comes in and they seize the money at the Discovery Channel for uh, some of the money. I think it was parties' money. And um, the first time, everyone is freaking out. All the online sites, because they've committed yeah. a lot of money to us. <laughs> and are they going to get their money back? What, they, they have all this stuff to be dot-com sponsors. And I get one call from Esai Scheinberg. And he says, oh, wait a minute. He's, he's, not, he's not bothered. He's yeah. very calm. This is the head of PokerStars at the time for yeah, the listeners yeah. at home. And our new, um, and, and we just announced he's going to be the new WPT Honors uh, inductee. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So he says, um, "I what do you know? It was maybe we, you know, think about is there other ways around this or whatever." And normally, your response when the government is coming in is like, "Probably not another way." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's <laughs> but he says, you know, what about this uh, dot? We do a dot net. And the first time I never heard of .NET. Of course, .NET strategy yeah. completely takes over in the U.S. After of that. course, yeah. of course. Uh, what was what were they envisioning for the World Poker Tour back in the day? Because yeah. it almost seems like they took more of a game show approach 
to, sh- to showcasing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Six people have gotten to the final table. Yeah. Now there's yeah. big money on the line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you also had the personalities back in season sure. one. Uh huh. So I'm wondering, you know, what's the product in your eyes? Is it yeah. the personalities at the table? Is it the money that's up for grabs? Certainly. Is it the strategy yeah. behind the game? Well, you know, to, to Steve Lipscomb's credit, who created the World Poker Tour, it was a, a lot closer to his vision of his plan of what has become. Mm-hmm. But it took, you know, 20 years over right. here to finally get that. I think in the plan it said something like, we want to be a poker Disney. And I think what that referred to is it's a multimedia, you, there's many touch points. And, um, but of course, the big one. The big awareness came when one channel and one channel only, every one of them rejected it, put poker in prime time. And Steve really focused on what, you know, the World Series had, you could watch World Series on TV. No one was watching right. because it was just a camera out there. Looking, I mean, it was just, yeah, it's it was just not, a floating camera. Yeah, it was hard to interact. With Steve, not only did Steve bring in the whole card cams, he created the way, in fact, there was a patent related to this, the way, the way that the information was displayed, that the viewer would engage. And I really think that that, you know, that's a little bit more complicated to say than the whole court cams. Right. But that is really the heart of what I think caused everything to go crazy. So that was the only way we were making money at the time. I think, you know, 90% of our money was coming from that, um, which... Fast forward five years later, it was horrible because all the online sites got into TV and gave away them for free, and then suddenly we had nothing. Right. Uh, but we did go public, so we did have a little war chest. Right. Yeah, I'm, w- I'm wondering, for those who don't know, listening at home, can you explain just how the WPT makes money? Uh, yeah, sure. Because, yeah. you know, back in the day, there was the fee that the – well, they still pay a fee. Yes. The casino pays a fee to you guys yes. for the branding and licensing and being part of their tour. Exactly. Uh, but I remember back in the day, there were rumblings that the TV contracts weren't even covering oh, yeah, the production yeah. Oh, costs. Oh, yeah, you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. That's definitely the case. Um, so if the oh, TV show isn't making money, how are you making money? You know so I, mean? I came in. Uh, so, it, it's, yeah, so I was a general counsel for seven years. So until about a year or two after I came in, the company had never made a profit. Yeah. I mean, it was a very long time yeah, before it, I mean, it, was, it was only 10 years before <laughs> it, made it made a profit. Um, so, yeah, so the model of the World Poker Tour is at the heart of what it is, is the um, is the brand, right? Mm-hmm. Create a brand and, and, I mean, it makes sense, right? I was IP counsel. You create a brand that if you reinvest in the brand and you nurture it and you water it correctly, um, you can extract value from it. And you can extract value in multiple sources. So the the thing that people see is it's a tour, and the tour is all over the place. But you can imagine that is the most labor-intensive. I mean, we have people all over here exactly. or whatever. So, yes, the casino will pay a fee. They may pay a rev share. Um, but at the end of the day, I analogize that to, you know, the Hermes company or Hermance is over there. She wants me to say Hermes. Uh, the Hermes company <laughs> yeah. would um, originally made uh, equestrian gear. Mm. And there is, if you go You know in a lot there, about that. I do, I yeah. do. If I'll you go in there, <laughs> it's still there. But mm. I suspect that they make very little money from that. That's not the primary source. Yeah. It's the same with the tour. The tour is our brand. We need to make sure that the players have a good time. The right. players are saying, I don't care if that margin is zero. I don't care if that margin is negative. Because that's the heart. Once you build that brand, you then can do uh, online interactive. You can do Club WPT, which is a major contributor mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to to that uh, part. You can make a deal, like we made a, a deal with WPT Global. So WPT Global, they pay a fee. They pay a license fee for the use of the uh, of the brand. You can um, merchandise. You do have casinos, but you also we are by far one of the most successful. Um, shows in the world at distributing content. We're in 92 networks. Yeah. Um, so, but that wasn't always the case, right? No. The business definitely. model used to be one channel and That's right. hope for the best. That's right. So, That's right. so like, how does that change? And obviously, new media plays a big part of that, right? Yeah. Because yeah. things aren't just about TV anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, I'll tell you the origin of that came from Club WPT. 
And um, Club WPT is another example. At the beginning of the interview, you said, did you expect that you would make the number? And I'm like, Club WPT is another example where I could claim to be a genius, but there's a little bit of luck that came in. And in essence, what happened was um, uh, we, Full Tilt used to be the sponsor, uh, if you remember, a long time ago of of World Poker Tour. Uh, When Party bought the company... Um, they went, nope, that's done. That's I literally done. walked in. Bob Wolf said, I just want you to tell your new owners we'll never be uh, working with you. That got cut off. And um, I, I had no sponsor. And I had six weeks to go. And so what am I going to do? Well, the only thing I could put on was Club WPT. Put Club WPT on the felt or whatever. First two weeks come, nothing. Now I don't have a sponsor. I mean, nothing. It was just minor, whatever. And then we realized, wait, you need to explain it. You need to talk about it. You need to show it. And then we realized, oh, my God, our show is phenomenal as mm-hmm. an advertiser. And so that really started that. So why did we expand over time? You know, different models. I suspect, uh, you know, other large companies have taken, sold their rights to their TV show. Those rights may or may not be behind a paywall. They may be paid for, whatever it is. We took the opposite, which is, wait, this is our education about our product. Right. So just get it out there. Make sure as many eyeballs as possible. Exactly. Then what happened is um, I there was a it was a, now our head of distribution, which is Locke uh, Sign. Uh, she was uh, she'd worked for me many years, maybe seventeen years ago. She left. She went to Warner Brothers to lead up uh, distribution uh, and advertising over there. Brought her back. And I said, um, I said, look, we want to do this. And she said, oh, my, these online platforms are going to be a huge thing. We're going to be able to get massive uh, exposure. And we have some secret sauce about how we do it. But not only has it turned out to be a huge blossoming of viewers, hundreds of millions yeah. of viewers in, in a year instead of 50, um, it has been um, uh, very profitable for yeah. us. Yeah, just because of the advertising rates. Yeah. I imagine also the, the focus on different styles of ambassadors right not just yeah, yeah, necessarily yeah. Yes. the old school grinder with all the wins but that's right you know brad owen andrew Nimi yeah. get, getting the vloggers involved oh my gosh it's, this has been this has been great i mean we knew from the beginning i i, I think we took a different approach when talent mm-hmm. you know we tried to be interactive we tried to be the friendly tour then when we introduced royal flesh crew members um over time you know, it was like, hey, go off the felt, do some other things, and that has a participation. But, you know, it's a whole new level now. It's mm-hmm. just so nice. You know, we've these home games um, that, you know, that premier home game that everybody participated in, you know, be, just to see Doyle there and Phil and Andrew and Brad who created all of that. Um, it's a way to, it's another touch point with our customers, and it's great. I mean, yeah. it's just the interaction is good. You'll never get better feedback than when customers are actively involved. Uh, so, yeah, it's been terrific. Does it irk you as an old school TV guy, though, who was in that medium before everything changed, uh-huh. to see somebody with a, like their iPhone just playing low-stakes poker, uh, a vlog that gets a million views somehow? Yeah, no, actually, because I do think... I mean, I think it's part of the evolution. I mean, we don't want to be stuck. I mean, I think maybe the strength of the World Poker Tour is that we, you know, you know, we were very early on in going to Asia, right? I mean, we right. were... Tractor yeah, poker. Yeah, tractor. That's right. That's yeah. exactly it. Right. I'm still G. trying to figure that game yes, out. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. We did all of these, you know, things that in the early days, because you have to always be moving. I mean, you know, my, I guess my, my main... My, Three main jobs are finding talent, both mm-hmm. on screen and managerial, uh, allocating money, um, but also the strategy to say, okay, what is the next? You know, what is the next push? Um, where are we going? You know, in the future. In fact, it's funny. I'm looking over your shoulder, and right now I see Patrick Bruel. <laughs> Patrick Bruel was instrumental in helping us evolve in television. He early on bought the rights of the WPT license in France. He took out the hosts, put himself in, and made WPT one of the most watched shows in France for three years. 
It's like the Aviation Club event or the whole series? The, the entire season. season. Wow. Yes. I mean, because, you know, he himself is a, you know, is an actor and singer and a major star there. Mm-hmm. And he approached us early on and said, look, we want to do this. And, it, you know, the idea that you would extract the host, I don't know about this, but, you know, it's a major, it's a major star. It was so immensely popular. Mm-hmm. I cannot even tell you how much impact it made. And we do that in Mexico. If you're down there in Mexico, you see uh, Angel, who's Lynn's husband. Yeah. Uh, a- Angel is the host. Angel Guillen, yeah. WSB bracelet. Yeah. Uh, and and Sante and uh, Inez takes over where uh, Lynn would. Yeah. Um, she's remarkable. She has a massive following, too, because she was the first woman sportscaster in all of Mexico. And, um, and so people can relate. They and that's know. how you really go global. That's how you really I, go global. Because there were efforts made, you know, yeah. a decade ago. Yeah. And there were some, you know, France was a good example of places where it kind of worked. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, it's truly a global oh, product. Oh, absolutely. I remember there was like a trip to Spain back in the day, maybe WPT. Yes, and, yes. You know, little hints here and there. Yeah. Twelve years ago, we had uh, two stops. We had the Aviation Club. And then we had... The first time somebody came to me and said, oh, I got this casino to sign up or whatever, I said, okay, but, you know, it's, where were we? I, it might have been in Spain. And I, and, I, and I said, but, you know, I said, okay, i got to calculate what the rate is to bring the, the show over there. He said, no, they're signing up for a non-television TV event. And I said, what's a non-TV event? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what's the point if we yes, can't put it on TV? They, they're going to take it. They're going to pay us. And... We are going to have um, no, they're not going to get any television. Um, so we had to scramble because we had had now casinos signing up to be a TV event. But we didn't have a unified product to offer. Right. All they were doing is to say it's WPT. They were hosting it's, it. But that yes. also is a signifier of the brand's value, right? Exactly. People and just want to be associated in any way. That's right. And so 12 years ago was the first time. I mean, it's funny. You would think tour management, which is our largest department. Mm-hmm. You think that that would have been there in 2003. Tour management did not exist until te- uh, 11, 12 years ago. Right. Because all we did is we would send somebody from the PR department to an event. I mean, it was cr- and the production. And if there was no production, we sent one PR person. Yeah. I remember those days. They were <laughs> yeah, fun. But yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you could have gotten a bigger audience for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about competition, right? Yeah. So, uh, how do you view the other big dogs in the poker tournament space? Obviously, EPT probably uh-huh. yeah. uh, shut the door on you guys to go more internationally yeah. than you wanted. Yeah, and, and you saw John. You saw John Duffy here, saw, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then you got WSOP, which you know everyone's uh-huh. kind of held hostage until they release their schedule in the summer. Okay, you guys right. for a while didn't even bother to. To, to play in the space. Do you yeah. guys view them as rivals? Is there like a competition? Well, I mean, I think that or? everybody, in a sense, is rivals in that we're, we're, we, you always have the healthy competition if you want numbers and you want mm-hmm. player good response and everything else. But I will tell you, it is a very symbiotic relationship. I mean, uh, when Poker Stars was having an issue and um, people were going, oh, this must be great because we were owned by party at the time. In my mind, I just calculate how much marketing dollars promoting poker is out there in the universe. Right. Now, we were not writing checks, but we had a television show that was the equivalent of checks, right? And the World Series was also a, you know, it's, it's, it, had, it was such a large event that it was promoting. Poker Stars was direct cash. Party was direct cash. And so when 888 was direct cash, so when there were troubles with the online sites or tours or whatever it is. To me, it was always a threat to everybody else. Right. Because, I mean, we would, you're not going to get this number unless people are reminded that they like to play. I'm loving the response here. But I, I do give credit to the fact that people still play, and you know, uh, uh, play all over and they play at World Series or whatever and they want to play. Um and it also just, yeah, you wake up in the morning and go, okay, what else do we can we do? And yeah, that's the fun, but that's, you know, fun competition. That's not. Right, right, yeah. right. It's, just not, it's, not, you're not, it's not driving your yes. business decisions. Health I mean, for them is also health for you. That makes sense. The, yes, I, I certainly do not. Uh, I, I'm always happy to have a, 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 a drink with Ty and, uh, and, and the team. And yeah. <laughs> Let's nice. talk about you taking over as CEO. Was that 2019? Okay. 
that was uh, so I had been no 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 I president yeah yeah I had been president so we the truth was the way that it was structured is party gaming uh, starting in 2011 had a um, overall CEO for for North America and that was uh, Steve Heller. I would run the World Poker Tour as the president. It would it should be confusing, right? Right, right, right? So he and I did this together. Um, but in essence, I was really taking the executive position since 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who gives you that job? <laughs> How uh, did it happen? Yes. So Steve, uh, so of my, you know, my entire career has been selling the World Poker Tour every few years, right? I, this is my fifth time that I've negotiated. So I negotiated that. And when we negotiated the sale to Party, which, by the way, was first Playtech. Playtech won exactly. bid, and then Party overbid. Um, so I was literally on a ship in Sardinia when then I heard, oh, they've overbid, and I had to get off and go back because Party, uh, Party won the bid. And at that point, Steve retired. Steve Lipscomb retired, and I knew at that point. I talked to Jim Ryan. Yeah. Uh, you asked who it was uh, Jim Ryan was the, the CEO of Party. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but do you have to like sell yourself at that moment? No, like, no, 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 okay. no. I mean, it was clear. Uh, Steve and I worked on. I mean, I, I am. I hired early on a great general counsel. Uh, she wasn't a general counsel at the time, but she became the general counsel, Alison Hushek, who was much better at the meticulous stuff and the regulation stuff. I was very broad-minded strategy mm-hmm. business. And so Steve and I kind of worked hand-in-hand. Hand. So it, I think it was pretty clear that that would happen. Um, and, you know, I, I'd known Jim since the days of, uh, of uh, absolute poker. And uh, he, uh, I flew to Gibraltar, and they made me an offer, and um, yeah, that, that's yeah, that's how it just it played out. How bad was the panic when COVID shut everything down? Yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, you know, we got our first uh, hint of this in the Philippines. Philippines uh, players started to break, started to go down. We were hearing this thing that was going on. Oh, it seems like this flu or something that's <laughs> affecting things, and. Um, just if you jump forward 12 months, we went from 65 events the year before, 2018, to five. Man. So that those things were becoming very apparent to me and how this was going to affect things. Of course, we were all, you know, now we look in retrospect and we have an idea of how it turned out. But we were all like, oh, there's no toilet paper in the shelves <laughs> and people are going crazy and this might be the end of the world. Um yeah, what does poker fit into this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? You know, what's going on? Um, although I, I will say, it for on a on an investment, that I, I did make an investment into uh, William Hill during the time because I said, you know what, either the world is going to have sports again, yeah, or we're not going to have to worry about my money and exactly. <laughs> it's kind of a free roll, really. Yes, yeah, we yeah. all die or I so, become richer. So. Yeah, so that, that did work out. No, um, uh, it, it was it was scary, and but we immediately took actions as if it yeah. was going to be very, very, very scary. I did think, oh, there's no sports, so linear television is going to need more poker. Mm-hmm. That ironically did not play out. What happened? That's is, what I would have thought too, right? That, what okay. better content yes. when there's no other live yes. TV to play? You know? I really need to get better at revisionist history because it would make <laughs> me look much smarter. So what happened is if you were watching sports channels, people went, oh, there's no sports on it. Yeah. So they stopped watching, right? They start cord cutting. They start going on an online site. But then... That's what I, I was watching old golf events on YouTube. That's it. <laughs> you were the profile. So Man. what happened is, you know, I mentioned we brought in... A, we had brought in... Somebody had worked for me before who was pushing all the time. We got to do these yeah. all, all these online platforms, online platforms. And of course, we start blowing up mm-hmm. on these online platforms. And you're getting a hundred million more people that are coming in. Yeah. And then by the time the linear starts to Cap improve, the audience. <laughs> we made up everything. In fact, it was by the end of the year, it had gone from okay, we need to be very concerned. We need to be slimmed down. We need to be just to, to, it had been our most profitable year. Yeah, that's crazy. 
That's crazy. All right, some rapid fire questions here okay. to, to close things out if you're ready. Let's talk about the equestrian side of you. Yes. You still ride horses? I still. I'm looking at uh, Hermance Bloom, who got me into it. Uh, she was. Uh, we were in London. She's over there with uh, Patrick. Uh, she. We were in London uh, at one point. I want to have a meeting. I said, oh, you like to ride horses. Why don't we do that? She took me to Richmond Park. I went, oh, my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I found uh, I found somebody in uh, in Newport who would be my coach. It no was, fear? It was crazy. Ah, yeah, you're a little bit. I mean, it's a 1,200-pound beast. But I'll tell you who's not scared, 12-year-old girls. 12, you know, these kids who clean up the stables and yeah, whatever yeah. it is. I, I show up one day. A kid says to me, um, comes up to me. Looks me up and down, says, uh, uh, "Have you been riding for a while?" I said, "Oh no, I just uh, maybe about four months with Stacy." And she went, "Eh, you look pretty athletic, but I need. I think you need to go to a few more shows." <laughs> you know, there, you, you know, the, trash talk. From but, them. but yeah, so after a while, wanting to keep up with the kids, mm-hmm. you do your fear subsides, and then you start to enjoy it. Do you own a horse? I lease a horse uh, okay. in the back bay in Newport, and so I just ride around the bay. So how does that work? Yeah. Like, the, is it like three years or the mileage? How does yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the warranty is okay and stuff like that. The the oil is is the worst. <laughs> I, no, you just uh, because I travel so much, it's yeah. not fair to just keep. You need to have someone who's giving the horse vitamins and food and taking care of him. But you mm-hmm. just need access to ride. Um, so uh, that's that's really it's like a property like. manager for your exactly. for your animal. That's right. Uh, how much poker do you get to play? Um, I, not much. Um, you know, the uh, idea that I, when I started the World Poker Tour, I had never gambled. I had never put a dime in a slot machine. Really? Uh, oh, I'd never done anything. It didn't appeal to you, or was it a uh, other No, reasons? it's just, I don't think, I think I was just, uh, like, a, a, like, crazy, super high-focused person. So whatever it is, you know, OCD, mm-hmm. that's what it, that's what it is. I'm sure if I had gotten into poker, that's the only thing that's I would have done. That's the only thing you would have done, yeah. And so, um... But I ended up looking at it from a philosophical point of view and a business point of view, and I went, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Because I recognized, having been a business person since I was 16, that, um, that uh, wow, this is going to be, um, like, one of the things that we teach, you know, in, in schools and stuff is about how to succeed and how to win. But as you know in poker, like, you're, you're losing more theoretically yeah, you're yeah. losing more hands than you're winning right well that is life like we don't do enough um we don't focus enough about loss control and failure control and i looked at poker and i'm like oh my god these people are geniuses at loss control they don't know it that's not what they're calling <laughs> but if you can apply that to business you'll know like when to get in and out of things or whatever it is and so i be, got a great admiration for it um i Harley play. You see me play at charity events. I played at ERN. I played at the Aoki event. I did make the final table of the Aoki event. Yeah, I was uh, happy about that. WPT no. ambassador Steve Aoki. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He didn't hit you with any cakes. I hope. No, he did earlier at the. Uh, <laughs> that one was hard. Did he at the uh, meetup game? It hit hard, right? <laughs> it did. That one was hard. It was frozen. I don't <laughs> think he knew it. Cake? Yes, he didn't know it, and he went, "Did I break your nose?" I'm like, <laughs> "No, I'm all right." <laughs> there was. I saw a video go viral online where he launched a cake must have been 50 yards away hit a guy square in the fa- in the wheelchair who wanted it square in the face wow. it must have been 30 rows back. wow i wow. couldn't believe it I was incredible like, but yeah this is what they they pay for yeah okay. <laughs> and obviously you know he's been showing up at meetup games yeah and- yeah yeah we've been using his house and sending people over there it's it's been awesome <laughs> uh what is your most prized possession um, my uh, let's see. My father was a sh- my father was a sheriff. My grandfather led Newport Beach uh, Police Department. My great grandmother was the first uh, police woman in Orange County, and I have all three of their badges. Oh, yeah. no impersonating though. What's that? No, 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 no. no. I, I I had no interest in going into law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> That's still cool though. Did the, did the badge change much over the years? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. Like it's a, but uh, but you know it's still. They're yeah. still nice, yeah. Um, if you started a band or a musical act, what instrument would you play? Oh, well, I, you know I play the cello. Yeah, and I play the cello because um, I reached out. When I was a kid, you know, we really, we had a violin, but I couldn't really afford to play cello. I didn't want my parents to sacrifice for that. So I'm on a plane one day. I see a documentary. I'm like, you know what? You know what? That's 
what I can do. You know what? I want to go play the cello. I had a cello made for me. Okay. And but I needed a teacher. I reached out to a famous cellist, Tina Guo, who uh, is probably famous for most famous for Wonder Woman. She's Wonder Woman, but she's done like a million different things. And she's um, and uh, she's working with Hans Zimmer. She did this whole thing with Hans Zimmer. And I say, would you teach me? And she politely comes back and goes, uh, well, you know what? I'm a soloist. I don't really teach or whatever. My father's a teacher. And then I went. I just read this book by Eric uh, uh, Anders Ericsson on called Peak. It's about what makes people excess high performers and the, the thought process. And I said, I'm reading this book. I'm 48 years old at the time. I want to see if I can do this. I'm going to start from scratch. Please let me do this because if you were that, I, if you were my teacher, I will not want to disappoint you. So for a year and a half on Zoom, that's it. So 100% I'd be playing the cello uh, because uh, I play the cello now. That's awesome. And the, 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 I think people can take a lesson from this listening of your mindset of, I want to do something. I'm going to go to the best there is. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And get, and get rejected. The same way we did with your intern in, in film That's school. That's right. That's know? right. Yeah. So there's always, there's always a path. What was your worst job before poker? Oh, it was a paper route. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> I mean, you could pay me. I'm not kidding. You could pay me $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. I would not... I would not accept ten million dollars. <laughs> too a year to early. Yeah, too cold. Oh yeah. Depending on the time of I year. I remember, and there was like a cute girl, and she. I took a route, paper route from her, and my parents, my dad, didn't want me to on the weekends to do it all by myself, so she did it all herself. But my dad had to come with me, and then you'd wake up at four in the morning, and people'd be pissed at you. Yeah, it was <laughs> not worth it. Um, where? Uh, Okay, what was your largest non-poker wager? I know you said you hadn't placed a bet before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Non-poker wager. Oh, I'm going to give you a... It, it is not poker, but it is connected to someone you know. Okay. It's uh, Antonio Sfondiari. Okay. So I am at the SLS Hotel with Antonio Sfondiari and, um, and some other people. Uh, at some point, they're doing prop bets. And they're doing a thousand dollar hand um, little prop bets. They, they're just—they don't care. They're do- oh, rock paper scissors. They're doing one thousand dollar hand uh, rock paper scissors. So at some point, they get tired of this, and the guy says to Antonio, "I'll give you a thousand dollars if you go to those two guys sitting on the sofa, put your arms around them. You can't tell them who you are, and just talk to them for five minutes." Yeah. And I say, "You know what, guys? I'm not really into bets." I'll take that bet. Yeah. Because there is no way. These two guys at a bar are not going to have a guy come and put it. Antonio walks over not there. for five minutes. That's for five minutes, no right? Antonio goes over there, puts his arm around him, starts talking. They are chatting away. <laughs> I lose $1,000. I'm so pissed. I'm so angry. <laughs> I never do this. Why did I do this? Comes back and... Um, and, the, and, and he says, and we see one grumpy guy sitting on the counter of the SLS. And, um, and they're like, I, I will give you, a th- you'll get your money back if you can get that guy to take a photo with you. <laughs> so, I am so I am so determined. My hair is shorter at the time. I walk over. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I walk over. I say to the guy, hey. He looks at me and he goes, what? I said, do I look like the president of the United States to you? <laughs> Barack Obama's the president at the time. He says, yeah, you do kind of look like the president of the United States. I'm like, do you want a photo with me? I said, yeah, I do want a photo with you. <laughs> oh, I was, it was the, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it was the greatest. It was the greatest yeah. feeling. Yes, yeah, so I got Honestly set you free there. <laughs> That's what you, oh, you did get a lot of heat for the Obama look for quite I a did, while. I did, yes. You, did you like did. that? No, I don't mind. I don't mind that. You know, we're, both left-handed, you know. We're both lawyers in the past, you know. You ever try to copy the speech? Uh, uh, well, the funny sound? thing is, I do. I used to say, "No, no, I'm not like Barack Obama because I, I, I." He stops in the middle of his sentences, which I do tend to do sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any nicknames growing up, or even now? Uh, no nicknames, but you know, you'll hear some people around here call me a legal dad or their father or whatever. I'm very paternal. And when I was ahead of the um, the 
legal department, uh, it, yeah, they would say, they'd call me a legal dad. Even my old assistants and stuff, they'll say, they'll call me, you know, dad or whatever. I yeah. think it's, a, it's my fraternal <laughs> part. If you could download one skill instantly, like in the Matrix, what would it be? Mm. Uh, it would be a very specific one, which is, which is going, uh, being able to project into the future to, to find out what was important to me and what was not, what was valued and what mm. was not. So you could focus on the right thing. That's right. All right. If you could avoid a life, if you could avoid regret on your deathbed, right? Like that's ideal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're in the last few moments. You don't care if you have, you know, 500,000 more. But, you know, like, you know, yeah, I kind of did it right. I, I, I rolled in the way that I, I should have. Exactly. Yeah. Good balance. Yeah. Uh, who was your celebrity crush growing up? Well, the first one clearly was not interested in me, which was Jodie Foster. <laughs> and, um, but I was, uh, yeah, I had various uh, ones. I mean, I do remember, no, I, I won't say growing up. But I have one that was related to my early days of World Poker Tour. I was enamored with Angelina Jolie. Enamored with Angelina Jolie. She's come up quite a few times on this question. Yeah. <laughs> she, at some point, the, the outside counsel for World Poker Tour, I'm telling him, like, oh, yeah, I love Angelina Jolie, whatever it is. A couple of years go by. Now, I'm with the World Poker Tour for maybe two years. And I get a call from this guy. And he says, Adam... I'm going to ask you a question. I know what the answer is, and I don't want you to be offended. But I did say, I if any if you know I, it's just too ironic. He's like, I now represent Angelina Jolie, and she <laughs> needs an assistant, a live-in assistant to live in the back house. I know that's not something that you could possibly do, but that's I just hilarious. had to put it out there, and I literally for five minutes, you got to consider it. Yes, right? yes. Before I projected in the future and went, eh, probably not good for the it's home such life. Such a step down, pay wise, probably. But, <laughs> man, that would be kind of fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh. um, all right, who are your four players on Poker's Mount Rushmore? Oh, okay. Get ready um, to offend some people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. Well, yeah, maybe I'll go with a a, a, a different uh, a, a different set of pe- people. I think you. I want to. I, I want to put Gus on there because he was so important to the World Poker Tour. I mean, that first show mm-hmm. was just was just incredible, right? Um, I want to put. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to offend people because the people I'm going to put on there are going to. This is going to be the. This is going to be the special Mount Rushmore. This is going to be the WPT right? Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be. Um, I'm putting. I, I, I'm putting Doyle mm-hmm. on there. I mean, he wins the WPT event. The guy literally said to me, "He's like, uh, I'm turning 90," um, and and I'm like, "Okay, so what do you want to do?" He says, "He said, I want to have a party." <laughs> you know, he's, he's 90 years old. He wants to have a party. We're going to have a big party for Doyle next year. Um, I have to put uh, Mike Sexton, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he wins the event. He's a WPT champion. What he has done to, um, you know, to change, uh, to change the world poker tour has been, you know, so tremendous. And um, I would. Uh, oh God, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm gonna tell another story afterwards. I, I mean, I, I. I do think if you. Like, I'm going to take the one with Gus, and that's going to be – it's going to change players, right? I'm going to project different things. Like, I'm going to put Darren Elias up there at some point. You know, we're going to put Brian Altman up there. So we're going to put different people. But we're, we are um, – but, yeah, because I do want to put Steve Lipscomb up on there, right? Because he uh, had this idea. He's been so gracious. I mean, he came up um, with this, and, you know, we bring him out every once in a while, but he's terrific. But I, gotta, I want to just tell you – my favorite WPT final table one, which does was that, you know JJ Lou, you know JJ Lou, I right? JJ JJ Lou was at a WPT final was this table. Shooting star, and uh, yeah, yeah, okay. she was at a WPT final table, and she um, she was pregnant and went into labor. You know this? She I went into story. labor. Ambulance is outside, and she um, 
and she says, no, 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 I've done this before. Not playing, not final table, having a child. She plays, busts out, ambulance goes out there, and she, she delivers her child. <laughs> I just think that's, I just think that's phenomenal. That is one of the most memorable parts of it. It's crazy. Oh, okay. Are you superstitious at all? Or I'm do you not. have any phobias? Uh, no, no, I don't know that I do. What's the most beautiful place you've ever seen in person? Hmm. Uh, tide. Uh, one is Sardinia. Uh, you know, from the boat of Sardinia. I think that's beautiful. And um, the old city of Jerusalem at sunset. I just think that's a very beautiful place. Any near-death experiences? <laughs> no, really. I mean, I, just, I feel like there's many times when I feel like, oh, God, we're going to be, uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, they're going to take a, take me out, especially, you know, the, the WPT uh, off-the-felt activities. But other than that, I, uh, I think, um, no, I, I didn't have that. And oh, no, you know what? There was. I was down in Necker Island. I went to, I went to see the reason why we have the WPT cruise on the Virgin. Uh, Richard Branson had suggested we, we do the WPT cruise on Virgin. And when I'm down there, he says, okay, we're going to have a, a, we're gonna have a sailboat race. And these little uh, Hobie cats, they only hold like four or five people. Yeah. So I am on this thing. We go and have a race. And the captain, well, the captain says, oh, no, we can't go out. It's too stormy. And Richard says, um, oh, no, 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 no. They're going out. They're going to race around the island. We go on this thing. I'm on with the tennis player, uh, Kevin Anderson. And the, and the uh, captain is going. And he says to her, wow, does it usually get like this? She's like, I've never sailed in anything this bad before. <laughs> and it gets bad. And then the waves start coming up. And one of the uh, boats completely capsizes oh in front God. of us. It is a mess. I am certain I'm going to die. And at the moment, we did survive. I mean, we did get through it. But I was like, oh, my God. I've, I've never felt so close to death. And I've never felt so alive. I literally felt like my mm. whole life was there. It was like you were on you're on the ship and the waves are there. But you're like, if I get taken right now, it's not so bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like people, this is why people jump out of planes. Like, I can't, yes. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want that feeling. All right. We end the podcast the same way every time with a question okay. from the random question generator. Who was your favorite teacher and why? Yeah. I guess it doesn't I have had, to be an actual teacher, but it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I had uh, I had some remarkable, remarkable teachers and ones that have made such an impact. But I had one um, who was my drama instructor who was so good about looking at the philosophy of life and seeing what's important. He was the guy who helped me start that business, who said when I went, oh, yeah, I got to do something. And, and um, I came back in. I remember I said to him, I have an idea. I'm going to go sell towels. Everyone needs towels. And then he said, towels, you know, is there anything else with that? Because I don't know. Where are you going to get these towels? And that led into my, and the sportswear thing and everything else. But he was so encouraging. And he represented to me, um, you know, looking at life very philosophical. Looking at your failures, not looking at failures as if, oh, my God, you're wiped out. It's the worst thing in the world. But rather to look at these things like, it's just all part of life. I mean, right. it's just part of the overall journey that you're on. So you did some acting, huh? Yeah, well, in, in high school, I did some acting. <laughs> I did some acting, yeah. I mean, and he was also, he's the one who pushed me to do, um, you know, all the announcing. I ended up doing a kid's TV show, like a show, you know, in the, where I did the presenting and stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, really pushed me out of my comfort zone. What it's was his name? Good. His name was Paul Woods. Shout out to Paul Woods. Yeah. Uh, and uh, shout out to all you listening at home. Um, thank you so much for having come on the podcast. Uh, so so good to be here, and uh, thanks for doing these. Thanks for coming out to the uh, WPT Championship. And you guys were great hosts. Awesome. Let me tell you, I like seeing it. Awesome. Okay, I'll see you at the uh, I'll see you at the di at uh, dinner tonight. Dinner tonight. There okay. You go. All right. <laughs> okay. That's it. That is the show. Thank you once again to Adam for taking the time during a very busy week for him down at the win uh depending on where you live you can check out club wpt if you want to play online 
or visit worldpokertour.com to see updates from current events or to find upcoming tour stops. So far, the first half of Season 21 has already been announced with events at Thunder Valley Casino, the Seminole Hard Rock Hollywood, Choctaw Resort, and Gardens Casino. You can find Adam on Twitter at Pliska007. You can find the World Poker Tour on Twitter at WPT. And you can find us on Twitter at Card Player Media. If you like the episode, please subscribe and consider leaving us a nice five-star rating or even a review. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>